literally an institution in this town of digging up old photos, old stories, collections, everything you can imagine under the sun about this great city. Greasy spoons, dives, old clubs. If you love this city, you're going to love it even more. Real people, real stories, real places. This is the Austin Found Podcast. Welcome back to Austin Found. This is part two of an iconic Austinite series with Shannon Sedwick of Esther's Follies. I'm J.B. Hager. And I'm Michael Barnes. And this is Austin Found. If you didn't hear part one with Shannon, please go do that. It kind of sets the stage for how she got here and how Esther's Follies started. But on this part two, I think it's it'd be really fun, Shannon, to share with us your thoughts on the changes and evolution of 6th Street and Austin in the time you've been here. Yeah. How you've managed to keep a place on 6th Street when a lot of local legendary places just get run out. Let's kind of go back and, and start about like what it was like. When were the big shifts? Obviously, we've all seen a big shift in the last five years, but mm-hmm. there, there were many before that. Yeah. I would say that it all started really with when we we were doing a show that was out on the Zilker Hillside. And it was right about the time that the uh, Travolta did uh, Saturday Night Fever. And so we decided we would do our version of Saturday Night Fever, but we used all the F words. And this was in not a good time for that, mm. <laughs> you know, out on the hillside with children and adults. Oh my God. We got a hundred letters at least. Hey, saying, the things that we were exposed to uh, as a kid in the late 70s and stuff like that, I can't believe the yeah. stuff that we did. So, but that kind of made people notice us, and we even had the uh, Saturday Night Live people came down and said, "Oh, we'd really like to see you maybe do something with us." And mm. and our cast was so these are hippies. Remember, they were totally cut in half by this. Half of them were saying, "Throw those media bums out," and the others were saying, "Oh yes, of course we do. We're right. ready. Let's go." Yeah. So that stopped that in the in the offing, but. At the same time, we decided that right then was when we split and half went up the street and did a show that they wanted to do uh, mm-hmm. in a space where uh, Joe Sears and Jason Williams oh, had yeah, that big yeah, white yeah. building. Uh, yeah, uh, and that's where uh, uh, Greater Tuner got its yes, start. Yeah. Yes, yes. So they wanted to do that. And so we said, okay, we'll do our thing. You do yours. Mm-hmm. And so we started up again. And Michael, my partner, Michael Shelton, and I took the reins. For the whole thing, not just the building. We had been the owners of the building, but we were just kind of part of the crew. But now we ran the place. And so I think that's when everything started to get a little bit more right, a little bit more able to be political and also make some money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we started charging a little more. We didn't just pass the hat, which is the way the original Follies started. Wow. Were there ever moments where it was in jeopardy financially? Oh, gosh, yes. Yeah. Always. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard, right? <laughs> it is. But the good thing was we had a lot of friends on the street and a couple of guys who owned several buildings helped us buy slash lease our building that we now are in. Which oh, is, that was like a, a, a lease to purchase. Yes. Which oh. was the only way we could have done you'd it. Be, yeah, you'd be out of there by now. Absolutely. Yes. Wow, wow, good for you. I know. It was good of them because David Morrison and Terry Booth were mm. our two benefactors. They got us 
hooked up with these some, you, bankers. You own a chunk of Sixth Street. Yes, man. <laughs> Congratulations. I know. Well, that's the only reason why we haven't had to yeah. move or do anything. We, so. we talked like last time how uh, there was a crime wave on mm-hmm. Sixth Street during the 80s, and it got pretty rough, but y'all got through all that. But it also felt like in the 80s there was also a real family of owners of coffee shops and boutiques and mm-hmm. there was a sex store and <laughs> it was right next door to us forbidden, <laughs> forbidden fruit well there's that too but that's still there isn't oh well it? no it's, i think it's she's moved, moved, it's moved. Yeah. but yeah she she's a great lady too <laughs> i know her very well yeah there was there was always interesting things on sixth street i, I was cooking at dan mccluskey's oh, and, and yeah. i did worked at the arboretum and sixth street but it was a little tiny kitchen that just the only ventilation you could get was to step out into the alley <laughs> for a breather, right? And that alley, nasty, <laughs> was shady. <laughs> but no, uh, they still are, unfortunately. Yeah, I, but <laughs> I saw a lot of things in that alley. <laughs> I bet you did. Things Grew you won't tell your twenty-year-old yeah. daughter, right? Right. <laughs> uh, you mentioned before that you caught the eye of SNL at one mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. Was there ever a moment, too, in the years of Esther's Follies, you looked out into the crowd and you're like, oh, my, you're not going to believe who's We have there. had quite a few nice celebrities in our audience. Was there yes. ever one where you're just like, it really got you, like, yes, nervous? It was, it was when uh, Sid Caesar and Imogene Coca came yeah. out. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> it was so wow. wonderful. Performing for Sid Caesar. Yeah. Wow. It was just wonderful. It really was. And they were so sweet. And they tried to hook us up with the... Uh, their producer, who who lived in San Diego, and and it didn't work out, but it it was very nice of them to wow. do that. Well, for for the younger kids <laughs> listening to this, if there are any, they are. Sid Caesar and Imogen Coca, top of the comedy world in the nineteen fifties, going into the early sixties, mm-hmm. and they had a, a sketch show. Yeah, that's that's one of the ones that to me is more what we always wanted to be like. And then all the entertainers that we. Well, not all of them. Many of the entertainers we grew up with wrote for that for them. Yeah, yeah. you know, exactly. Mel Brooks, yeah, all those just people. the talent that came out of that. I know, show. absolutely. Yeah. Well, and we've had, of course, Ann Richards came, and there's been oh. a recent story about her that uh, was talking about how she came and saw. Oh no, I, I know what it was. Anyway, she's she would sit on the front row with her big old white hair (laughs) and laugh herself silly and just have a great old time when she was governor. So that was really great. That's I'm glad you brought her up because I was, I I thought about her too. What political figure teed up the most fun during the years of Astros Um, good or bad? Like, well, of course, bad. We had a lot of, a lot of them. Yeah. Of course, W. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. Carry On, who was one of our comics, was oh, yeah. very, very good. W. Oh, okay. He did that very well, and he he rode on those coattails for a long time. Yeah. And <laughs> but then, and of course, we've we've had Trump. Trump was a great mm-hmm. person. So was Clinton. Clinton was a great one. I mm-hmm. loved playing Hillary. So ah. uh, we never had them come to the show, unfortunately. Yeah. But uh, but we definitely used them as our comedy. Yeah. And way early on in in their careers, they were working on Sixth Street. Because when they were organizing for McGovern back mm. in 72, long before Esther's Follies, yeah, yeah. The, the Democratic headquarters was on 6th Street. Oh, that's great. So you have you have a little royal line there as yeah. well. Yeah. <laughs> but the uh, my favorite was Ann Richards because not only did she love us, but she also 
employed us to do stuff on the road, Leova Rosanoff and oh, I. To open up for some speeches or something? Yeah, basically oh, there was, Liz Carpenter got us hooked up, of course, and Liz got us into this little RV that we we went all around Texas to little towns, some bigger towns like Tyler, but some very small towns mm-hmm. that all we do is just drive up to their town square we pull out our microphones and our little electric piano and we'd do a few songs and we would do it for the for the media basically Mm -hmm. because there was hardly anybody there but the media would put it on the news and then we'd go on to the next town i met uh, and mother and father that way and carol channing was part of one show wow so it was it was a lot of fun and then when she won we walked up the street and that was the most incredible experience in my life to be Mm. able to Walk with a million people the Congress up the march, street. Take yeah. it back to Capitol. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was incredibly wonderful. Which is why that bridge is named after. <laughs> yeah. you, you mentioned one of the uh, regulars on the show on Esther's. Uh, tell us about some of the other ones that were long-running characters on your show. Okay, well, there's definitely, you know, of course, the magician, Ray, has yeah. incredible stuff that he has done through the years. All of his stuff people remember, and they talk about it the most of any of our performers. Mm-hmm. Then as far as the the regular bits in the show, we've got the Five Flags Over Texas, which is what started out as Carry On's uh, version with, uh, I think he was W at first, and then he moved to be our other governor. <laughs> well, we do try to balance ourselves a little bit so that we don't That's make all be the Republicans you make funds unhappy. A, a lot to Democrats. I've seen. Yes, that. we do. Well, but, and you, I, I'm thinking of the heritage, a bunch of hippies getting together and mm, this kind of thing. It's, it's going, it's probably hard for you to be middle of the road. Well, definitely. And, <laughs> and not to mention, I, I just kind of feel like you should make fun of yourself. And when we started, that was the time that Austin was becoming, Willie had come here and, and he had brought together all the long-haired people and all the all the country people. And so really Austin was a great melting pot of people not afraid to sit by each other and laugh at things. So, yeah. so that's but the, what we did. The history of Austin and where we've been politically, I think people expect a little bit more of a liberal slanted show. I don't know. I keep, we get letters every now and then saying, <laughs> this is not the way Austin should be. <laughs> oh, my God. No, they're all very much into the republicanism of, of <laughs> Texas. Texas. You know, Texas is okay. now the red and state. One of the things that I don't think we've emphasized enough in these two episodes is just all the music, the great music. You have great musicians, and you've had great music directors. Tell us more about that. Yeah, we have our current music director has been with us um, probably close to 20 years now, Doug Ewart, and he's just amazing. He plays piano, but he also does everything on, on tracks, and so we have a full orchestral kind of situation. Leova Rosanoff and Steve Soji, who recently died, Steve did, um, have, were our first musical directors, and they were very into classical and classical parody. So we, we were much better singers then than we are now, but because <laughs> we could do all kinds of things, and we did amazing stuff that he had written, and Steve Soji was just a master at blending things. Like it, we had a show called Westward Hose that was about, <laughs> I was a, a young girl in a laundromat lamenting the fact that I had just thrown up on my dress, and then this crazy transsexual comes in William Dente and uh, he takes me off to Westward Hose which is a place where fairies and cowboys and 
It's, <laughs> it was a really great musical number. Long. It was like 30 minutes long. So different than now. Nowadays, our pieces are three minutes long at the most. Tell us about Dente. Oh, William Dente. He was our first star because he was he just was somebody that could do just about anything. He loved Joan Sutherland, and so he liked to try to do Joan Sutherland as far as the style of, of the classical. But he also liked to add chicken sounds and uh, <laughs> and all kinds of other sound effects. <laughs> so he he would do silly things, and uh, he's you can see him in our archives. What's it like today, the current state of Esther's Follies, with cast and auditions and turnover? Mm-hmm. And... There hasn't been much turnover, really. Yeah, okay, of course. That's what I was When's the last time you added a new person? Well, actually, pretty recently, because uh, one of our ladies, Alana, decided she wanted to not be in as, as much. She's now coming back and doing occasionally. But we have a girl named Leah Knight who just joined us, and she's she's learning to do She's a an opera singer, too, so we're going to try to... Mm. See if we can get her involved in something like that too. But uh, mostly, we've had auditions about every year or so, and and we've we've added people through the years. But most people don't want to go and make it on their own now. They like living in a place called Austin is, and mm-hmm. uh, and being you know, like Ray says, a big fish in a little pond. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. You'd be the great, a great person to talk about the state of Austin because, you know, I think we just addressed it on a recent show because mm-hmm. we always get – because people know that we've been in Austin forever. So you, you fall into that category. People often ask us about the Austin boom. Mm. How does it make you feel? Do you like it? Do you dislike it? Are you angry at the Californians for coming? It's not no, all California. No, they're, they're fun you, people how, to how make fun f- of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about, like, as, as, as Michael's also mentioned, uh, he's sort of identified the beginning of South By. Yeah. Is when Austin really shifted. Then yeah. the addition of ACL. Yeah. And then F1. Mm. Um, so, Shannon, what are your thoughts on the current state of Austin and where it's I think it's going to be continuing to grow and be cyclical. I, I don't think that there's any chance that Austin's going to lose its sweetness of spirit. Oh, thank because you. Because it just really has always been a lovely place where people you know they just get that sense of the of the, the violet crown the violet <laughs> crown yeah that's that's it it's it's got a magic to it and mm-hmm. that's been since the days of the indians and the hill country yeah. you know austin's always been a good place and so people will be attracted to it at all times i i don't think that the californians are going to last much longer you know we'll get they'll they'll be going off to other places and stuff too but yeah. uh, the tech thing is going to be a big thing here in Austin. That's what I was wondering. Time. Have you have you uh, worked up to any sketches for, before uh, Elon Musk or Joe Rogan? Or <laughs> we have been mentioning Joe Rogan. Joe lately, Rogan, yes. yeah, it's. Yeah. He's, I love Joe Rogan. We actually have Elon Musk in the show. Okay, as a matter of fact, I love Joe floating Rogan. in the window as he's out in the. In but the, somehow, and I, tell me if I'm off base here. He, he does act like I brought comedy to Austin. I, <laughs> <laughs> Have you picked up on that? He no. acts like it's it's happening because I came here. Oh well, that's nice. <laughs> I know it's been there's been some funny things happening here for a long, long time, Joe. Absolutely, and for no disrespect. Time. I'm no. a fan of the guy. I love it. But. Oh, there's some really good stand-up people here, yeah. and they probably came because of him. But but there's always been good improv here. There's always been a really tight little comedy group of people, and like our little club, the Belveda Room, is just a it's very small. 
but it's kind of like the clubhouse for all the people that then go mm. out now, wait, on the you're road. You're involved in Velvet. You don't remember? Yeah, it's yeah, right that's next door. Per- mm-hmm. Yeah, it's right next door. I know. I just, I did It's a tiny little yeah, yeah, yeah. Been there forever. How yeah. long has that place been there? Uh, well, quite a while. Not as long as Esther's, but it has been yeah, there yeah, a yeah. while. Yeah. At least 20 years. Yeah. Maybe 25, 30. I didn't anyway. realize you were involved in that. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Well, well that's, we, the, we the, don't do much. We don't stop them from doing anything. They're pretty much their own little animal. And, but, but there's been improv troops that were based there, and then now it's pretty much stand-up. And yeah. the clue is the visual style. Look at the sign. Look at look at the po- – you know, it just looks a lot like Esther's. Oh. Yeah, yeah. It came out of the Esther's mind. Yeah, for sure. Gotcha. Well, there have been really great people that have gone through that, and we had the, the Cheese Pistols, which were a singing <laughs> yeah. group with, with – uh, Cheese hats and stuff like that. There's just, you know, silly stuff. The re- the name, the Velveeta Room, is not from the cheese. It's from Carry On's character, Ronnie Velveeta, who was a cheesy stand-up comic. Right. So they named it after him. Oh, my gosh. Well, I might have to do a whole other show <laughs> about that's that. That's you so can weird. get Carry On here. He'd tell you some good stories about and old it's Austin. It's been a long time since I've seen him. We should have him on yeah, the show because he's got a lot of history in the poster world and the comedy mm-hmm. world all over the place. Have you been performing there since mm-hmm. the get-go? Yeah. And any others have been there since the beginning? Uh, well, no. Now the oldest one there besides me is Ray, Ray Anderson. And, of course, he's just a baby. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to tell him his age by any means. How, but, how many more years are left in, in uh, oh, I Esther's hope, Falls? I hope for a long time. We always yeah. just say, let's just keep it going as long as we can. And then until people start throwing cash at you for that building. <laughs> oh, they're already doing that. I bet, right? Yeah. No, thank hard. you. No, thank you. No, uh, thank you. <laughs> My well. husband goes, are you sure? <laughs> right? Well, uh. <laughs> it's tempting. That's a, that's a tough thing. That, to, But I guess it just, Austin's just so, imba- what would you like to see the legacy of, of this after you guys are gone? Uh, no, not to be morbid. Yeah. Would you like to, I mean, uh, do, do you have family members that would help carry it? or I don't know if my children legacy? would or not. Probably not. But there there are some people in the cast that would probably want to keep it going. Yeah. And it, it all depends on really the key people. And there's like only about five of them or so, with Ray being one of them and uh, Sean Brannigan being one of our mm. main writers and Ted Meredith also being a great writer. He plays... Trump when whenever we have Trump in the show, which we're trying not to anymore. <laughs> I, it's, it's hard to deny, though, because it's so entertaining. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope you'll come in and see the show again. I know. I'm long overdue. That's for sure. And, and, and so this is um, then it's a good time to give out the information if mm-hmm. when are the shows showtime? Okay. Yeah, they're Thursday, Friday and Saturday nights every weekend, Thursday at eight, Friday and Saturday at eight and ten. We're down on the corner of Sixth and Red River. It's pretty easy to find parking because we're catty-cornered from the convention center mm. parking garage. So that makes people happy not to have to go down. And and people should buy their tickets in advance, right? Yes, absolutely. And now we have a situation where they can go online and they can actually pick their seats. <gasps> so that's, Fabulous. That's so really... I can stay away from the aisles where people yeah, get picked on. Absolutely. Be, be targeted. <laughs> oh, yeah, it, it, for those who don't know, it's a very intimate setting. Yes. If you're in the room, you are in the room. Yeah. <laughs> well, right? it used to, we used to pack it with 270 people, but wow. now we have it just to 220 at the most. We try to have them a little spaced apart because of all the COVID weirdness. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. right, right. Yeah. So we're being more careful, and, and people have to wear their masks in the lobby and the bar area to just try to keep it that way. But we've lost. There's... 
people that are not coming right now because of COVID. So. No, sure. But a lot of people that just don't worry about it, <laughs> they just come on in. I know. I know. That that definitely does exist everywhere. Where would you go buy your tickets? Online? Uh, online? Yeah. At uh, com. Okay. Well, Shannon, what a pleasure. Thank you. I mean, Michael spoke so highly about having you in. I didn't realize all the other little pieces of Austin you've been involved mm-hmm. with since the late 60s. <laughs> been here for a long time. So. <laughs> very, very cool. Thank you so much of for course. coming in and joining us. Thank you for inviting me. Thank Michael. you. Yeah, we appreciate you tuning in to Austin Found. Happy trails.